is going to bring the word to us tonight and tomorrow for our last session. We're so thankful for each of these ladies that have come. And you can be seated for just a couple of minutes here. I just want to get some information out of the way. Did everyone receive a lanyard when you came in? This will serve as your proof of registration as well as having the entire schedule on it for the weekend. So if you didn't get one when you came in, you want to make sure you pick one up so you have the schedule for tomorrow. The Kaisers have come all the way from the Chicago area with their booth, the, the Velvet Bow. They have all kinds of beautiful clothing and accessories if you haven't already seen. So let's be a blessing to this modest clothing company and send them home empty. Wouldn't that be awesome if we were able to do that? And I just want to introduce you to a couple of special ladies tonight. If we could have um, anybody who's a pastor's wife stand. I would love to see pastor's wives that we could have here tonight. Awesome. Thank you, ladies, for being here. I know that you have many other things on your plate, and it just makes me feel special that you came to spend your weekend here, and I pray that you will leave just with a blessing this weekend. If we could have Sister York stand. Woo! Sister York is our founding pastor's wife. Over 44 years ago, her and Brother York started this church. So without Sister York, we would have no Refresh Ladies Conference because we would have no firstborn ministry. And so we are thankful for you, Sister York, and we're thankful that you're able to be here with us tonight. is our, our ladies committee that puts this ladies conference together. We have Sister McKay. Sister McKay, if you'll stand. And we have Sister Robin Maynard. And I joined them on that committee. And these ladies work hard and they pray and seek God for what we should do at this ladies conference every year. So I'm so thankful for them. One last thing, and then I'm going to get out of the way, and we're going to get to worshiping again. So at this time, I'm going to introduce our speaker for this evening so that when it's time, she can just get up here and she can speak the word to us. Vanny Marshall is a minister, conference speaker, and professional counselor for over 27 years. Vanny is also a professor of psychology at Christian Life College in Stockton, California. She is the mental health coordinator for Apostolic Healthcare. Vanny and her husband, P.S. Marshall, are also full-time multicultural missionary evangelists helping churches grow throughout the country. We are so happy to have her here with us tonight, and we cannot wait to hear the word that God has given us. Let's worship tonight, ladies.
actually better because I'm short. Yeah. Somebody said, yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to agree with me when I say that. So that's wonderful. I got lost. I'm from Louisiana. This is Illinois. So you get lost if you're from Louisiana. Uh, so I was a little late. I apologize. It's so wonderful to be here with Sister Maynard and to be here throughout this weekend and Sunday as well. I want to thank Sister Maynard and Pastor Maynard for giving me this great honor and opportunity to be at Firstborn. And I love it. This is wonderful. Um, I turned to Sister Maynard and said, uh, okay, she said, well, I already introduced you, so you can just go up anytime. And I'm like, okay. I wanted to ask, well, what did she say? <laughs> I mean, okay. But this is wonderful. And I feel that I, I'm going to be friends with your first lady. She's so precious, so beautiful. And Brother Sister Maynard, thank you so much. I wish I brought my iPad. It was smaller. This one is hiding me completely. <laughs> it's like, can you see me now? You know. <laughs> you were the word in the beginning. You know the song. <laughs> they're they're cool. You hidden glory in creation.
kingdom. Yours is the glory. It's powerful. Either we believe it or we don't. We have a choice. We use it or we don't. We depend on it or we don't. Nothing can stand against it. No sickness, no disease, no politics. Nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. Nothing. We've got to come to a point in our lives that we really believe it. We have no choice now. Not in the world we live in. And we need to really stop hanging on to the world we live in. We need to let it go and hang on to the world that's coming. We need to depend on the world that's coming. The kingdom that's coming. The kingdom that has already come. Heaven. That is your destination. So let's have a loose hold on the things of the earth. Let God be able to knock out the things without we having a tug of war with him. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you tonight. 
about destroying the yoke of limitation. We have yokes in our lives and we need to destroy it. Amen. When Sister Maynard very kindly asked me to be part of the conference here, I prayed about this and this is what the Lord gave me for tonight. We're going to have a great weekend. Tomorrow there's going to be multiple split sessions and everything that's going to be great. And then, of course, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Destroying the yoke of limitation. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 10, verses 27. If you have your Bibles with you, if they put it up on the screen, that's fine. I'm sorry, media, I should have given you the scripture earlier. I will try to do better. Isaiah 10, 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Thank you, firstborn. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off your neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. What is the anointing? That's the Holy Ghost. The anointing is the unmerited, unmerited favor of God through the Holy Spirit. The next scripture I want to take you to is Genesis 27. Genesis 27 verses 38 through 40. Genesis 27 through verses 38 through 40. And Esau, <laughs> media, you're fast. I mean, faster than a speeding bullet. Seriously. Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? You remember the story of Esau. You know, he goes out to hunt and then Jacob lies and wears this fur coat pretending to be hairy Esau. You know, if I felt somebody's arm and it felt like an animal skin, I was not going to, I'm not going to, that's not even human. What is this? Have You've got overgrown hair on your arms, Jacob. You know, but anyway, Isaac decided to believe. Esau pleaded. Esau comes back. His brother has stolen his blessings. And then Esau begs his father, what, you only have one blessing? You gave it away to my brother who lied and pretended to be me. You only have one blessing, my father? Bless me. Even me also, my father, Esau cried bitterly. He wept. And finally, Isaac relented. And his father said to him, okay, I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna, this, is what I, uh, this is the prophecy I have for you. In the beginning, it doesn't, doesn't sound really good. He says, you will live far away from the riches of the earth. The next verse. And Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of the heaven from above. The next verse. And by your sword you will live. That doesn't sound like a, a blessing. It sounds like a curse. But then he says, you shall serve your brother. That, that still doesn't sound good. And it shall come to pass. And then this is when he said, it shall come to pass when you will have dominion. You will be able to overcome when you break the yoke from off your neck. In another version it says, you will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide, when you decide you're sick of it. When you decide to become restless, that means you are not happy with your situation. You decide to break free, then you will break free. We want God to break us free without our decision in the equation. We want God to deliver us without our permission. But it's when you decide to be delivered, then you will be delivered. God 
can only deliver you if you decide and make the choice to be set free. So today we're going to make some decisions tonight. You may be seated. Thank you. The people of the nation of Israel, they'd wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, not seven days, not even 30 days. Definitely not a weekend. Making what was, you know, they, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, Sister Maynard, but it was really an 11-day trip from where they were to where they wanted to go was just an 11-day trip. But they took 40 years to cover it. Why? Because they were walk, walking around in circles. Aren't you tired of walking around in circles? Aren't you tired? Or, well, I'll tell you what. Do you know somebody who, who may have gotten a, a, a deliverance on a Wednesday and by Friday they're back in the, they're, they're stuck back in whatever they got delivered from? I've been there. You've been there. Was it their enemies? Do you think that that's what took 40 years? You think that it would be easy, wouldn't it? I mean, if it was their enemy, it would be easy to blame the devil for everything, right? I mean, he, you can't see him. He's invisible. Don't know really where he is half the time. So it'd be easy to blame the enemy. It'll be easy to say, the devil made me do this. I am stuck where I'm at because of Satan. Instead of taking personal responsibility and saying, you know what? I'm stuck because I've made some choices to get me stuck. I'm going to be unstuck because I'm going to change my choices. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness because they had a defeatist mindset. Ungodly perceptions that stopped them from arriving at the place of victory. Deuteronomy 1 says, they, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have dwelt long enough. Moses goes up to Horeb and he prays to God for the people of Israel. And God tells Moses, tell the people, hey, you've dwelt long enough on this mountain. You've been stuck long enough. You better get some restlessness in your spirit. You better not become uncomfortable with where you're dwelling. I don't want no pandemic to change the way I worship. Now, I understand about being safe. And careful, I do get it. It's serious. I've lost people who I love to this sickly thing. But I am not going to let that dictate the way I walk with God, whether I watch it on YouTube, Facebook, or I'm on campus. I don't want it to change the way I live for God. No virus is going to make me decide how I worship or how I pray or to pretend that I am watching something online when I'm not. I even wonder why people invite me, Sister Maynard, because I come here. I'm a counselor. I'm a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a psychologist, and I counsel people Monday through Friday, and and I love all my clients, I really do, but I get frustrated sometimes. With, so when I come to a beautiful church like this, it's my opportunity to vent. <laughs> and so I get behind the pulpit and I start 
just venting. And it's nothing to do with you. It's some client that I'm dealing with back home. And I can't vent at the client, you know. <laughs> now, a professional counselor doesn't start screaming at the client. You just have to help them. And but, but the ladies' conferences, <laughs> I can come here and I can vent. And you are my therapist today. So if I'm venting today, please help me. Because I'm very upset about some things. And I need to get it out. <laughs> I am. I'm not. It, that's not even a joke. I am. I do this. That's why I would drive many hours to go to a place just to get it out of my system. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Thank you for firstborn. I'm going to vent. Most of us do the same thing, you know. We keep going around and around in circles instead of making progress. You know, one time I read the scripture, Sister Maynard, and, uh, and I have a, a, my house and our home, my husband and I, I have a basement room, a basement office actually, where it's converted, it's, it's furnished beautifully, it's wonderful, but it's basement, it's very uh, private. That's where I counsel people. I, I've got an office in town as well, but I used my basement office to also counsel, but it's also my prayer room. Well, once in a while, though, I, I pray in the living room, you know, and my husband goes, you know, goes to his uh, office and he studies the Bible. So I was reading the scripture one time, and so I, I got up and I tried to enact. I like, I like putting a little drama in the scripture, you know. Like I pretend that I'm a fly on the wall watching Jesus walk on water or, you know, calming the sea or healing people. I just, I like to dramatize. But I don't have to because the Bible stories are dramatic as it is. But, but I read the scripture and I thought, I want, to, I want to circle my living room. Like the Israelite people circled the desert for 40 years. 40 years. You'd think at some point somebody noticed something. You know, I mean, in the equation. So I got up and I, and I started circling my living room. You know, I'm just, you know, just going around. And I began to look at the pictures on the walls and the furniture and my dogs and the carpet. And I started circling. And my husband came in at that point, shook his head and left the room. <laughs> and he knew that I was on one of my mad trips. So... And then I started circling, and all of a sudden, I noticed something. I was looking at the same pictures on the third round. You know, it's like, oh, you know. At, at some point, don't you think that, don't you think that Joshua, you know, Josh, the one that took over, should have stopped and said, hey, excuse me, haven't we seen that tree before? Didn't we see that cottage or that house or this particular field or that mountain before, at some point, somebody would have said, Josh, wait, wait, we've been here before, like four years ago. Four years, no, they were circling for 40 years, and at some point, you would think that somebody stopped the circling and said, hey, we're not moving forward. We're moving in circles, but not forward.
can you please, can we please get to a place where we begin to question our decisions? We begin to challenge ourselves and begin to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And instead of making progress, it takes us years to experience victory over something that should have been dealt yesterday. It could have been dealt with last Sunday when your pastor preached to you and could have been dealt then, but then we hold on to some stuff and we are like, well, I'll deal with it when I'm good and ready. Well, we'll never be good and ready. And God is saying the same thing to you and me today. He has said to the children of Israel that day, you have dwelt long enough on the same mountain. It's time to move on. What is the yoke of limitation? First of all, a limitation is an area of weakness, an area of insufficiency, inability. It could be an obstacle, it could be sickness. It could be your self-perception about who you are. And instead of a godly perception, you have a perception built on your past. You have a perception, uh, uh, you know, uh, as part of your whatever that you've gone through. Your perception is filtered through whatever you've gone through in your past. Financial issues. Negative mindsets. I'm so sorry, but there's this beautiful young lady right at the back, and it's like she's preaching with me. Are you, what, what are you, is she interpreting? She's interpreting. Do you know what she's doing? She's like, she's doing like, she's, and I am, I'm so excited about how passionate she is. I think we all should go listen to her because you're doing a great job. I, I was like, what is she doing? And I'm like, Whoa, and she's like, every time, it's awesome. Is she, that's, you're interpreting. All right. I wish you told me I'd have given you my notes. A limitation can be a line, you don't need it, can be a line beyond which you cannot pass, even an artificial boundary surrounding a specific area. If you ever seen a bird in a cage, and I've noticed this, I actually read about it, I actually saw a YouTube video on it. Now, I'm not a millennial, but I saw a YouTube video. I know, you know, who needs books, right? Just YouTube it. <laughs> Where was YouTube 40 years ago when I really needed it, you know? But anyway, um, and I saw this, and, and, and a bird in a cage that has been in a cage for a long, long time, when you open the door, it doesn't immediately fly out because it's become accustomed, or at least in this documentary, it has become accustomed to the limitation. So it doesn't even recognize freedom. It doesn't even recognize what real freedom is. So it thinks, well, freedom must be, I don't know what it is, really. So I'm just going to uh, have a mental idea of what freedom is defined as, but I'm not going to really enjoy the freedom because I'm used to my cage. I'm pretty comfortable in my cage when there's a whole world out there, a whole avenue, experiences in the spirit. A limitation can be, as I said, a mental line beyond which you cannot pass. An artificial boundary like the cage. Anything, anything that hinders you, anything that hinders you to reach your spiritual maximum potential is a limitation. So if, you're, if your feelings about yourself is, I'm not worthy of God's blessing, that's a limitation. 
I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of God's blessings. Everybody else is loved except me because my parents didn't love me. My grandparents, my ex didn't love me or whatever. That's a limitation. You know, they're called the ex for a reason. Because they're no longer part of your life. If they're still part of your memory and your thoughts, they're not ex. So ex out the ex. Please. Now that, come on, people. If there are people that have always stopped you and held you back and whatever, you know what? Forget them. It's okay. Well, it's my mother. I don't care. See, I'm venting right now. It's just because there's this client that I have a, I seriously, is this being Facebook? Face, it, okay. Because this, there's this person. I love this lady, but she's like, my mother controls everything. I'm like, why? You're, you're 40, whatever, something. Why is, well, because, you know, I have to please, let me tell you something. You please God. And please, please the prophets and the teachers and the pastors that God has put in your life. Please God. And walk in alignment with God's word and doctrine. You start pleasing everybody else in your life, you're going to be lost. And, and, and you know what? It's, it's, I, I, I do this in my office, Sister Maynard, and they pay me. You know, I mean, I, 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 I get upset, I shout, and then they pay me. And I'm like, wow, this is not bad. And usually I collect the payment before I start shouting because, you know, otherwise I may never get it. I know. I mean, limit, limitations are not just going to disappear, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you can pray. Please pray. Prayer is important. Please fast. Please walk in holiness with God. Please walk close to God. Please worship. Please attend every prayer meeting, every service. When the double doors are open, you need, let me tell you, because I'm living in a world, I need every service I can get. I need every prayer meeting I can get. I need every worship service I can get. I need every support group meeting I can get. I need every ministry opportunity I can get. Limitations are not just going to disappear. It's not like, oh, I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray and pray and fast, and then just ask God to take it away, and then, and then I'll see what happens. No, 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 no. You've got to pray and fast. You've got to be faithful to the assembling of, of, of saints of like faith. You've got to be faithful to the precepts of God, the teachings of God. You've got to be faithful in all of that. But you have got to take personal response. Let me tell you. Your, your, your ex or your parents or your grandparents may have been responsible. The dysfunctional family we came out of may have been responsible to bring you here. I empathize with that because a lot of things that have happened to you is not your fault. It's not your fault. It's somebody else's that have abused you, tortured you, stressed you out, left you, abandoned you. And you've been under depression and anxiety, so they may have brought you. But if you don't move from here to forward, then it is your fault. Then it is your fault. It's my fault. If I don't move, I, at some point, I've got to stop blaming grandma. 
I've got to stop blaming the people, my ex-boss or ex-pastor, ex-church member. At some point, I've got to stop playing the blame game. And then the yoke of limitation will be lifted off our necks. This yoke of limitation, you know what a yoke is? A yoke is a, you know what a yoke is? It's a piece of equipment or whatever in, in, in ancient times, even now, in farm, in certain farming places, they use yokes to bind together two cattle so that they can, okay, put together. A yoke is a heavy object around the neck. It doesn't make, it, it doesn't allow you to move. It yokes you to something else. Jesus said the only yoke that you need is to yoke with him because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But instead, we're yoked with all kinds of things. And the yoke of limitation will prevent your effectiveness. It'll hinder you from fruitfulness. It'll bring frustration. It'll wage war against your personal and spiritual advancement. It'll insert sorrow and quench hope. And how do you know that you have a yoke of limitation on you? How do you know that? Well, I'm going to tell you a few things right now. How you know whether you have a yoke, whether I have a yoke. I've applied this to myself. If I believe that my future is determined by my past, I have a yoke. If you believe that your future in Jesus Christ, your future in the kingdom of God is determined by where you were born, how you were born, who raised you, whatever your circumstances may have been, whatever abuse that you've gone through, that it is determined by your past, you have a yoke. The Israelites had no positive vision for their lives. They had no dreams. They knew where they came from, but they couldn't see where they were going. Everything was based on what they had seen. They did not know how to see with the eyes of faith. They didn't believe God really loved them. That's why they accused Moses. You brought us here to die, didn't you, Moses? I mean, there's this sea in front of us. The Egyptians are after us. They're going to kill us, and it's your fault. Because if we'd stayed behind in Egypt, we wouldn't be in this predicament. But now you brought us here, and we're going to either drown or be murdered. They couldn't see that God can actually part the sea. They, 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 or they couldn't believe that that could really happen. That they may, you know, it's not necessary that they would have actually had the vision of a parted sea, but they should have believed that God would do something. And he did. And the sea parted. They crossed over. They were not murdered by the Egyptians. They made it. But they didn't believe they would make it. How many here you have been there? You didn't believe you would make it, but at the last minute, you made it. You made it. Something happened. Something came through. A check, some money, some relationship, some help. It came through. Peace broke through. The Israelites continually talked about the way things were. God brought them out of Egypt by the hand of Moses. Talking to them through him about the promised land. He wanted to keep their eyes on where they were going and off of where they had been. If your eyes and your conversation is continually going to the past, you have a yoke. There is a yoke. Now you're thinking, well, what if I'm talking, if you're talking to a counselor about it, you're talking to a pastor, but that's different because you're needing help. 
I'm talking about continually rehearsing the same old video in your mind over and over again of all the stuff that's happened to you. That's a yoke. Get rid of it. Delete it. Get rid of it. Don't practice it. Don't rehearse the same thing over and over again in your mind. Does it make sense to anybody here? These people were ready to give up. In fact, they even told Moses, would that we would go back to Egypt. Because at least there, we had a buffet. You know, we could eat. We could what? They forgot that they were whipped every day. They forgot they were beaten and they were slaves in someone else's land. They were not free. They forgot that. They said, well, I wish that you just let us go. Some people see things negatively because they've experienced unhappy circumstances all their lives. That they don't expect the future to be any better than the past. Because they've been unhappy so for so long. And these people were ready to give up. Preferring to go back to bondage through the wilderness into the promised land. These folks did not have a problem. They were the problem. The children of Israel didn't have a problem. They were the problem. Don't ever let Satan stop you from being excited about Jesus Christ. Don't let a sickness or disease or a current situation stop you from ever being excited about Jesus Christ. Maybe your life has arrived at a new norm. Maybe this whole pandemic thing has created a new norm. But I'm looking for the rainbow in the norm. I'm looking for a rainbow in the, in the changed circumstances to know how I can enhance my walk with God and worship with God even better rather than fall prey to what is trying to shut me down. There will always be people who will try to hinder you and delay you from what God wants to do through you. But you need to remember his mercies are new every morning. Could it be that you are nervous or we are nervous of living the true Christian life? Let me tell you, I cannot be set free. I, I said this before. I cannot be set free until I start to believe that I can be set free. And Jesus came to open the prison doors and set the captives free. And I have to have a positive vision for my life, a God-given vision for my life. I have to believe that the future is not determined by my past and not even by my present. I may be facing situations that are so bad, it seems to, that I have no real reason to hope. Abuse may be the reason we act this way, but let it not become an excuse to stay this way. And Satan works on our mind, building strongholds that will prevent us from facing the truth. The second, the second yoke of limit, the first yoke of limitation is if you believe that your past is determined or determines your future, that's a yoke. The second yoke is if I believe that I'm not worthy of God's blessings, then I'm carrying a heavy yoke. This is a biggie. And this one hang-up is capable of keeping me stuck. Sometimes our background, our culture, or history can make me feel we are less than someone else. How do I see myself? How do you see yourself? Do you struggle with negative thinking? Do you fear failure, rejection? That you'll never get acceptance or never get your healing? Check our attitudes, thoughts, and behavior. Because wrong mindsets 
wrong mindsets can limit me. It places a mental obstacle in front of me. The right ones benefit me and the wrong ones can hurt me and limit my or hinder my progress. Colossians 3.2 teaches us we need our minds set in the right direction. Wrong mindsets not only affect our circumstance, but they also affect people around us and they affect our inner spiritual life. No matter what's happened in your past, I'm asking you tonight to denounce and destroy that yoke of limitation that has held you back and embrace the fact that you are forgiven by God. You are not determined by your past. Your ex-relationship, your former relationship, your relationship with your parents does not even determine you. You might have a great relationship with your parents. That doesn't determine who you are. You might have had failures in relationship. That doesn't determine you. The hardest person sometimes to convince that you can be forgiven is you. You must, you know, we are so much less tolerant with ourselves than we are with anyone else. Don't let a choice, don't let choices you've made. I don't care if you made the choice last week and you did something wrong last week. If you would follow God today, that yoke can be broken. Don't let a choice or choices you made in the past affect the rest of your life. So I'm going to ask you these three questions. Anybody here ever make a mistake other than Bonnie Marshall? Anybody? Thank you for being honest. Leave your hand up. Did you learn from that mistake anything at all? If you did, then you can put your hand up. Next, next question, no. Would you intentionally repeat the mistake again? Intentionally repeat it, not accidentally or what, but intentionally repeat it again. If its answer is no, say no. If your answer was no, then you're on the road to change. If you will not intentionally repeat the mistake again, then you're already on the road to change. Accept God's forgiveness. Move on. It's time to let go. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of the people that have sinned against you, that have talked bad about you, that have trashed you, that have made your life miserable. Whether it is a relationship that has not gone according to plan or a friendship or a job or financial situation or a, a bad business or health, it's time to forgive and it's time to let go. Finish what you start even after the goosebumps have left and the excitement has ended. It is fairly easy, you know, to be excited when God first speaks to us and gives us an opportunity to, some, to do something, but then we give up. As soon as the excitement and the goosebump ends, oh, I'm bored with it. If you're the kind of person who will only be on board as long as the excitement lasts, then there's a yoke of limitation. When the excitement is long gone, the goosebumps have already ended, but you're still trudging along and saying, this is going to work. I'm not going to give up. This is going to work. This is going to work. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on my son that's addicted. I'm not giving up on my daughter. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on my husband. I'm not giving up on my church. I'm not giving up on my ministry. I'm not giving up on my community. I'm not giving up on reaching souls, reaching... I don't, I'm not excited anymore, but I don't need excitement to keep me doing what is right. I'm not looking for what is exciting. I'm looking.
not going to give up just because the goosebumps have ended. Because the excitement of the minute is gone. I'm going to trudge along and I'm going to say, what do you feel about I don't feel anything? Do you feel excited? No. Are you happy doing this? No, I'm actually bored to death. So you're going to give up? No. Because at some point, there's going to be a breakthrough. At some point, God is going to come through. At some point, I've got to believe it. Because he's not a God of excitement. He's a God of eternity, of faithfulness. That is the definition of faithful. Being faithful. Being faithful is not looking for the next exciting adventure. Being faithful is hanging on when all else has failed. And everybody else has walked away from the project. But you're hanging on thinking something is going to give. And it's not going to be me. I'm not the one who's giving. Something is going to give. Personal responsibility cannot be delegated, ladies. The next day, remember, Moses in Exodus 32, said to the people, you've sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord and I'm going to pray for you. My goodness. <laughs> the Israelites did, did not want to take responsibility. Even Moses had to do the praying for them. Please don't let just intercessors do your praying for you. Get to the place where you can pray yourself. And I, I believe, I believe in corporate prayer. I mean, if I had a prayer need, I'd call Sister Maynard. She's going to pray for me. If I text her, can you pray for me? This is the need. She's going to pray. I believe in corporate prayer. But there has to come a point where you can pray in your living room. That you stand on your own feet and begin to call upon the Lord and pray on your own. Where you cannot get somebody else on the phone to pray for you. There has to come a point where you begin to get a hold of God on your own. For your children, your marriage, your finances, your business, your life, your ministry, your walk with God. I believe in corporate prayer. But my goodness, we're not some wimpy people that constantly need the support of other people. God has given me the Holy Ghost. God has given me the Holy Ghost all by myself. I don't have your Holy Ghost. You got your own Holy Ghost. And this actually was a counseling session. No, 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 really. <laughs> This was just a couple of months ago. I was talking just like this to a lady, and she still came back the next week. And um, I'm glad because when she left, I thought she will never come back again. But And I told her, I said, ma'am, do you always have to be someone who must always have someone else pushing you to do what is right? Must you always be the kind of person that somebody else Either if it's not in neon lights, you're not going to do it. Must you always be the kind of person, I was asking this with this lady, that somebody else has to constantly push you to do what you need to do. Can there be a point in your life that you take initiative and you're excited about Jesus enough just to do it when there's nobody else telling you to do it? 
said, I need to get to that place. I said, well, the only, the only way you can get to that place is talk to him again. You have relied on everybody else, including your church, to pull you through, to lift you up, to prop you up, to hold your arms. And that's all wonderful. And the church is wonderful in that way. And they can do it. I have felt that when days when I have been tired and worn out and weak, the, the, you know, my, my prayer team has lifted me up and, and has prayed for me and has given me strength. But my goodness, I cannot continually cross the road holding somebody else's hand. I am going to do what is right even when no one is looking. I'll tell you what a yoke is. That when you do right, only when someone else looks. I don't want to live a double life. You know, one way they did me in front of church people, another way 20 miles away somewhere else when they were sitting at church with their mother. <laughs> and then you bump into somebody and think, God hates me. No, God loves you. He just wants you to have one life. One one way of living, not pretend. It's, it's a lot of work, you know, pretending. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. And you wear masks, and I'm not talking about that mask. But I was at Walmart the other day. I don't even know why I was there. I forgot. And I forgot my mask. It was very, very cold. Benjamin right now. And I entered and I didn't even know I was because I'm used to not wearing one. You know, I've been on this planet for many years without one. I cannot learn things in six months. So I went in and they were like, huh? I'm like, what? Oh, 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 oh. And then I took a tissue paper. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not making light of this. I understand the seriousness. I took, I said, ma'am, my mask is in the car and it's snowing and I don't want to go back there. I'm just going to go in and get one item and run out. I said, but you got, I said, okay. Can I take? I said, the only difference is it doesn't have two loops at the end. Okay. But my hands are more powerful than them loops. She looked at me, and she had this look on her face like, this crazy lady, I don't even want to deal with her. But she let me in. I was like, okay. You know, yeah. So I walked around with a Kleenex tissue. <sighs> I need to get that out. Because, you know, I told my husband when I went home what happened, and he looked at me, and he said, yeah, yeah, only you. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm normal. Like, yeah. Please don't be someone who is always here. Be the kind of person that has someone else pushing you to do what you need to do, you know. Don't be afraid of responsibility. And by the way, I want to say this. Please don't be pastored by some stranger on Facebook. Like, what? I mean, I don't care. No, wait, wait. I don't care if he's wearing a collar. My dog wears a collar. 
my dog doesn't pastor me. He tries to. He looks at me he's like, I want food. And, um, and I mean, I don't even know what, what they believe in. You don't know what they really believe. You don't, have you ever met? No. You haven't met them. You haven't been to a church. They just sound clever. They look good. They have this cute face, smile. And you're following and retweeting and reposting and you're following. And what they say becomes more important than what God's shepherd says to you. And what, whatever, whoever God has put above you is, is no more important than some stranger, some weirdo on Facebook can pastor you. I mean, what? That was another counseling session. No, that's, I'm telling you, it's a real life story. It's my life. Just pray for me. You know, I don't lose my mind. I, I, I mean, I need to understand. I need to understand that in order to develop Christ-like character, that the beginning of real freedom is to accept responsibility for my own problems. We are so controlled by social media that we're, pa we're pastored by them. We're being governed by social media. Every opinion that sounds good, we think that it's from the Bible or God or, or it sounds wonderful that it's even better than the Bible. And we read, what? Can we just stop? Take stock of our lives. Ignore the many voices in our mind, our, our, in our lives. There's so many voices, voices from family, friends, even well-meaning family members, well-meaning friends. It's a lot of voices, a lot of noise, community, social media, media, news reports, government, whatever. There's so much noise that we are, we are listening less to God and more over everything else. And there is this hunger this ungodly desire for more information, more in that we get glued onto. In, we become information addicts. And we're no longer addicted to the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Now, blaming, blaming my parents, my ex-spouse, the boss, the church employees, or whoever, government, state, I for my present situation, I've placed a grievous yoke that will hinder and limit my growth and my progress. But let me tell you, neither my education, neither your education, neither the lack of education, my genetics, your genetics, or the circumstantial ebb and flow of your everyday life will ever affect your future in a negative way unless you allow it. Even though yokes are presented to us by satanic power, we don't take up the yoke. Satan cannot put a yoke on you, by the way, because if you're saved, you can't put it. You know who puts a yoke on you? Who puts a yoke on you? We do. Yeah. We pick it up and we place it. So how do you get rid of it? You take it off and you throw it away. That's it. How do you get, because you put it on you, only you can get rid of it. You can pray and ask God to deliver you from it, but unless you want to take it off of you, even he cannot deliver you from it because he would want your, your, your permission, your acquiescence, your agreement to get rid of it. You need to make decisions tonight, ladies, to get rid of those yokes. To get rid of the yoke of, I'm not worthy of God's blessings. My past determines my future. I can't take responsibility for all this. Somebody else's fault. 
Well, a lot of it could be somebody else's fault. But whatever that's yours, take responsibility, stop repeating it, and move forward. Run forward and say, I'm not going to be some wimpy, spineless Christian that cannot take responsibility for my own stuff. That if I miss church, it's my responsibility. If I wake up late, it's my responsibility. If my children are just trashing the house, it's my responsibility. Draw a boundary and tell them to rent another house. Sorry. I mean, if they're five years old, they can't rent another house. But if they're 36, I'm sorry. This is actually a real counseling session. I mean, actually, all of it has been. I was counseling a lady the other day. She's an elderly lady, sweet, sweet lady, such a precious lady, Sister Maynard. It was such a precious lady. She loves God, comes to church, but she's miserable. She's depressed. I said, why are you depressed? She said, well, you know, my son, you know, he just brings anybody into the house. You know, his girlfriend, drugs, other addicted people. And I'm like, okay, well, you live with him? He said, well, no, he lives with me. I said, oh, it's your house. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It's your house. Yeah. You own the house. Yeah, I own the house. Your son doesn't own, no, he doesn't. Does he work? Yeah. Oh. Does he help you out? No. I'm already getting upset here. Yeah. I'm already sitting there thinking, Lord, give me peace. She's such a sweet lady, man. What do you, and I'm like, so, um, your house, okay, so he doesn't, help you buy groceries. No, he didn't do anything. He just sits in his room and anybody comes and there's girls and there's drugs. I said, ma'am, it is your house. She said, I just need counseling. I said, well, I, I will tell you what you can do, but you may not do it. She said, what? You got to give him 14 days notice. What? He's my son. I know. I know, yeah, yeah. That's hard. I know you love him, obviously. You're, you love him very much. I do, I do. You feel that if I don't take care of him, nobody else will. Uh, uh, that's what it is, yeah. I think what you're doing is you're protecting him from God. What do you mean? So yeah, you're, don't get mad at me, man, but you're, you're standing in the way between him and God. See, God really wants to get to him. Like, he wants to corner him and probably slap him around. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but you're protecting him from what God has for him because you're you're coddling him. And, you're, and I understand because you, you love him, right? I mean, I get it. You're, your mother, <laughs> mom, my goodness, your, your love is unconditional love. Well, I'm going to ask you to put some conditions on him. you got to give him 14 days notice and things like that. If he doesn't, you have to get somebody in and check him out. You want me to kick him out? Yeah, because he'll survive. He's got a job. It's going to be okay. But it's your house. You've got to take care of your house. You want your house to be clean and not a place where anybody can do everything. There's drugs, there's heroin, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I want my house to be clean, but you're not really getting rid of him, but you're getting rid of him. He'll come back. He'll never speak to me again. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe for five years he won't, but one day he will. And at first she said, I, I don't think I can do that. But then it got worse. She came back. She said, 
I gave him 14 days notice. You did? Yeah. What did he do? He refused to go. I said, okay, you calling the cops? No, I'm not calling the cops. I just gave him 14 days notice. Okay, all right. Well, what do I do? He doesn't know. Change locks. What? Yeah. She said, she, she looked at me. She said, Mr. Marshall? Yeah. You are very hard. I'm like, no, I'm not. Actually, I'm a nice person. I just, I just think that you deserve better. You're a good woman. You deserve to be loved and respected, ma'am. I mean, I respect you. If, if I was a tenant in your house, if I, Bonnie, was a tenant in your house, and I did everything to trash the house, bring drugs and bring men over and whatever, but if I did all of that, if I was, what would you do? She said, well, she said, I will kick you out. So anyway, he left. And he lived somewhere else. She's got lots of peace and happiness now. I mean, house doesn't smell weird anymore. It smells great. And, you know, he's recently started visiting her. Comes around, visits his mom. Their relationship is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. He's not cut her off. But she's got peace. She took responsibility. Your house is your haven. I know we love our children. But don't let anybody trash your life. Anybody. Not a friend, not a family member, not parents, not kids, not the ex. you're a child of God, you're princess, saved for a reason. God saw you worthy, and he sees you worthy. You're covered in his blood, filled with his spirit. You don't have to take junk anymore in your life. close as possible. Walk up in front. We're going to remove yokes right now. We're going to get rid of the yoke of limitation. There is something that I do on a regular basis for myself and for those that I minister to when this works. It's just a simple exercise as much as possible. Come here, man. Right here. Right, right up where I'm standing. As close as possible, wherever you can. Those of you who cannot get in front, you can stay where you are, whatever. But as close as possible, can you come so that because people are coming uh, behind you. Now, do you know what a yoke is? Remember I told you earlier what a yoke was, right? It's like this, this heavy, in, the, in, in ancient times it was made of solid wood. They would carve a yoke out of a, a, tree, a tree trunk. on the neck I would like you to imagine if there's a yoke in your life whether it's a person it's a, whether it's a person that is stopping you from, from 
you know, being your potential. Now, ladies, don't go home and tell your husband. Mr. Marshall said you're a yoke. Please don't do that. Because then I'll get calls and then I'll have to handle all that. Please, I'm already busy as it is. But, you know, I know there's one lady told me, said I, after a ladies' conference, I think it was Texas, she went home and she said, I told my husband he's a yoke. No, and he, why did you do that? I didn't say he was. No, but you said anybody's hindering me. I think he's hindering me. Okay. You've got to love him and forgive him and just work with him. Okay, don't go telling him. Okay. But anybody, anything, any opportunity, any, any circumstance in your life that is stopping you from your full growth, it could be you. You could be the yoke. It could, be, it could be your past. It could be memories of how you were treated. Abuse. It could be abuse, whether it's mental, physical, sexual abuse that you've gone through. It could be stuff that your family has, has put upon you. It could be financial yokes. It could be just the lack of money, the loss of a business. There's a lot of things that have happened in this last couple of years. But there's a yoke in your life. I want you to imagine how heavy the yoke is. And I want you to hold the yoke on the left and on the right and bend forward. If, that, if there's a weight, if there's a yoke on your, in, in your life, I want you to imagine, however heavy it is, I want you to bend forward. However, however the weight is, bend forward right now. Bend forward. Bend your neck forward. There's a yoke. I want you to feel the weight of that yoke. Thank you for bending forward. Feel the weight of that yoke right now. Feel the weight. It could be the weight of, the yoke could be the lack of ministry. You, you, fear. Fear is a yoke. You, you fear ministry. You fear doing what God is calling you to do. You fear reaching out for souls. You fear Bible studies. You fear it. It's a yoke. Bend your neck. Bend forward. There's a yoke on your neck. There's a yoke. There's a yoke. Can you feel that yoke, ladies? Can you feel it? Say yes if you feel that yoke. That heaviness. That heaviness that you have put upon. The, don't forget. Don't forget. You took the yoke up. You put that yoke on your neck. Only you can remove it. Now on a count of three, one, two, three, but on a count of three, when I say in Jesus' name, I want you to lift that yoke off your neck. Not now, but when I say so, I want you to lift that yoke off your neck towards the sky. Just lift it off. And then when I say again, in the count of three, I want you to crash that yoke down. We're going to take, this is an exercise. This is a mental exercise of you removing the yoke from your neck. Are you ready? Okay, you're going to lift that yoke from your neck on the count of three. One, two, in the name of Jesus, three. Lift that yoke up. Lift that yoke off your neck. That yoke has come off your neck. Now on the next count of three, on the count of three, in the name of Jesus, one, you're going to crash that yoke down. And God is going to remove that yoke by the act of your faith. In the name of Jesus, one, two, Crash it down in the name of Jesus. Shout to God. If you have crashed that yoke down, the yoke that has limited you, the yoke that has said that you're not worthy of his blessings, the yoke that has said that you, that you are not to take responsibility for whatever you do or say, or the yoke that is saying that you are determined by your past that your future is determined. That yoke has come down. I want you to lift up your hands as the musicians worship and take us the presence of God again. I want you to lift up your hands. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. Yeah. 
a chain He's breaker. A chain breaker. Let's, can you worship with that? Worship the Lord right now. You've broken you yokes right now. You've broken those yokes that will stop you, that is trying to stop you from ministry, that is trying to stop you from reaching souls, that is trying to stop you from working out your marriage, that is trying to stop you from reaching your children, that is trying to stop you from being everything you can be for the Lord.
That was a great message. You know, I got out of it that it starts in our mind. It starts with us. We have to decide that we are going to change. We are going to do what's right. We are going to step in the right direction. I'm so thankful tonight that she did that, told us that, encouraged us, help us to see that that's what we need to do. We need to go from here, uh, all encouraged that we're going to do that. I'm not going to put God in a box. I'm going to make him big as he is, and I'm stepping forward. So bless all of you tonight, and thank you for coming. We're so glad to see you. I'm so happy to have this conference. It's such a, a wind of peace and wonder and everything after this year we've had. It's just wonderful to have this. And so I thank you all for coming. And then tomorrow, 10 a.m. is the first session. Of course, I think the close and it'll be open, I think, about 9. So you're welcome to come for that. And please do buy things from these this lady because it blesses her and she's came a ways to to bless us so bless her and so and be here at least by 10 o'clock on time because that's when the session starts and we don't want to miss one minute of what god is going to tell us tomorrow thank you for coming tonight and let's pray jesus we're so thankful tonight for what we heard I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are a great big God. And I know that you can do anything if I just set my mind to it, if I know that I can do it, and I just step out on faith and know that you're going to be with me. God, touch each one of these ladies tonight and help us to see that this is possible. God, keep us safe and protect us as we go our way and as we come back tomorrow. And let tomorrow be another blessing and just fill us to overflowing with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You believe it. If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify.